when Stud hammers you down, there aren't going to be too many men who get back up. So Stud's going to have him up in the air again. Of course, the body slam, a favorite maneuver of Big John Stud. Whoa, Whoa wait a minute. King Tuck, Tuck, a Tuck. From Television City in Hollywood. The following rustic exhibition requires discretionary viewer participation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 18th episode of GFA Live. I am your host, Peter Winsett, and I waste no time bringing in my guest at this time, a man who had the opportunity per his contract to opt out of the GFA Live project, but unlike certain goaltenders from Boston, he, he decided to opt in. Mr. Keithy Langston, how are you? I will. I am doing great, Pete. I will never opt out of anything. I will never well, opt out of a GFA live postseason appearance. Well, I don't. I don't mean to be flip about that whole Tugarask business. I I understand uh, why he would do that and where he's coming from. But then again, I, I tend to be a bit of an odd duck when it comes to you know athletes, especially especially other Bruins, because you know I'm attending ninety percent of their games when they let people in. I mean, if you could explain to me, uh, from what I understand, and I, and I and I apologize to all your Boston Bruins and and hockey based fans out there, but exactly why do you are you okay with him opting out? If I correct me if I'm wrong, he he didn't he a, sounded like he didn't want to be there. He said the it's just not happening here. Yeah. And gave off impressions of a dude who would who would just rather be anywhere else. Now I know the feeling; it usually doesn't you know happen at that big of a moment. I mean, I know every day when I go to work, I wish I was somewhere else. (laughs) I guess I can agree with him on that. But, I mean, from what I understood, he was like – he had mentioned that he was just having fun out there. And then all of a sudden it was like, I guess what, he they weren't doing very well or he was, you know – I mean, I thought they were doing okay, but well, I mean, they lost a few games at the beginning, but then, you know, have kind of straightened up lately. But but like uh, every other Boston sports team – the media just destroys them because they, you know, they smile wrong or they don't smile at all at the camera. And so, you know, he pulled a Jim Rice, basically. Well, I'm, you know, I'm, for all of that, I'm going to have to take your word for it because I gave up uh, sports radio really as an entity back in the winter of 2015 in the Deflategate saga. And it was immediately replaced with wrestling podcasts, which probably led me to where I am today and to the existence of this very show, which today is going to be looking at the best of WWF as we jump around volume number eight. And the, I'm going to hit play on this right now and just say that most of these matches I'll, you know, reveal, you know, who they are and where they were when we get to the bouts. But, um, it's, it's mostly, 1986. There's a dusting of 85 in there. Ah, just a dusting. It began and, over 5,000 years ago when civilization was young. 
every major culture, Egypt, Greece, Rome, India, Japan, studied it, practiced it, perfected it to a fine art. They admired its Olympian demands, strength, speed, agility, knowledge, know-how. They did honor their guards. They did it to honor their kings. They did it to train their soldiers. They did it to compete, and they did it for fun. And it has come down thus through the ages. It is the only true martial art form known as professional wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I I was staying quiet because I didn't know if you were earnestly doing the entire scroll on the Coliseum video intro. It went a little too fast. I I was going to try to slow down the prompter for you, but then I decided it would, if I had brought up if I had brought up that menu, I would have been too tempted to speed it up more just to be dick. <laughs> Wait, can you go back real quick? Like, t- t- I know we're just starting, but they were t- they were showing t- – actually, you don't have to go back. They were showing some uh, – it looked like some some Greco-Roman wrestling images yes. from ancient times. And I swear one of them looked like it was butt-fucking the other. So, hey, look. Know. I I, I, I want to see all of this stuff annotated. Like I know that the the, the airplane, airplane spin thing is championship wrestling. That's Poughkeepsie, probably the match for the U.S. Express won yeah. the title. But I I want like all of these moments annotated and and a que- another question answered. Where the fuck did they insert an Uncle Elmer clip? Like yeah. we saw what Volume Four was. It was the same mm. intro, but here yeah. all of a sudden there's a fucking Uncle Elmer clip. What's going on here? Again, there's Mean Gene taking over for Vince because Vince gave up by Volume Four. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, so there are six TVs behind Mean Gene. That, that would increase as the 1980s went along. And they all seem to be airing the same program before. Like Mooney is like, I guess that so many TVs. Like Mooney's hanging out in Goldfinger's lair or some shit. Yeah, he sure is. He's looking at all the he's looking at all the leaders of the free world demanding that. You pay me ransom, or I'm going to show you another <laughs> another Ted Arcidi match. You know, it's, oh, I think we get him on this show. Uh, it's in, it's going to be interesting tracking this, having watched Volume 4 and Volume 17, and now mm. Volume 8. It's not a long period of time, as we know. I think it go, runs from, like, 84, 85 to 89, these yeah. Coliseum videos. But to see how the production... You know, tracks over time because the later one we saw Mean Gene interacting with the people. The first one was Vince McMahon standing in front of some monitors, and now it's Gene in front of some slightly nicer monitors. Mm. I wonder if this is uh, what was it, Room C or Hall C or uh, Studio, Studio A? C. Or Studio a. Oh, look at a young Jimmy Hart. <clears throat> well, he's he's always young, and the the man has never aged. So our first bout is. The Hart Foundation versus the Killer Bees. So the so B. Brian Blair. I'm gonna have to actually watch a B. Brian Blair match. And, Brian uh, Blair. Yeah, it's a good thing that I ingested some substances earlier. That's probably oh. gonna assist me through this process. Nice. This is February seventeenth, nineteen eighty six, at MSG. Mm. The and, Hart Foundation appear to be wearing like it looks like black and white trunks. Black trunks with a white stripe, it looks like. I think it might be a pink stripe, but the color on this video, it, doesn't the color seem a little bit off? It does. It could be a very faded pink-white uh, pink stripe, you know, kind of like they ran this through the wash one too many times. Yeah. And they, were, and they weren't using, uh, what was that laundry <laughs> detergent that you were supposed to always... Co- like, what, Color Guard? Color Guard. No. They weren't using Color Guard. Is Jim the Anvil Neidhart... Neidhart and Brunzel are in there, but I'm more focused on the third guy in the ring who looks like 
the love child of Angelo Mosca and Ricardo Maltabon. Mm-hmm. You know who he looks like? He looks like uh, Tony Carbone from Goodfellas. <laughs> it probably is Tony Carbone. He's, <laughs> he he ended up on the New York State Athletic Commission, so he got to referee a bunch of WWF matches. The he's, in the he's in the back walking around with the coffee. <laughs> Take that coffee to go. <laughs> what are you doing? I told you to put that down. <laughs> Now, I get the sense that this bout, I mean, it, it maybe it's probably clipped for time for Coliseum videos because, after all, they are trying to squeeze as much as they can quality-wise in an hour and 36 minutes. I was I was air-quoting when I said quality because I was being sarcastic, but I realized, oh, shit, this is an audio podcast. It always has been. That's why you're supposed to go quote-unquote. 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 Look at Jim Brunzel go with a leg, a single leg takedown for the anvil. Jim Neidhart on the ground appear, appears to be wincing in pain. Yeah, but in reality, he's taking a nap. It's all REM sleep. <laughs> oh, boy. When did the killer bees, like, what, what was the period of time where they had the masks? Um, they just... <sighs> well, th- this is February of 86, and I'm not saying you can necessarily mark time by it, but I think don't think you see it until later in 86, but I could be mistaken, pending hmm. what the finish is here, which I, I did not look up the finishes in advance, or at least, well, I don't a couple, know the couple of them either. I actually know, but... I don't know them either. I'm actually going to be very interested. This is So this is all fresh, pretty much, as far as the finishes go. If I haven't seen it, it's new to me. <laughs> you, wouldn't pay a, you wouldn't pay a nickel to see an earthquake. <laughs> However, um, there is a theme to this video, and it's not something silly like the WWF goes to the zoo or, or any of that bullshit. Oh yeah, it's I guess it's it, it, it's kind of quote unquote the newcomers, and you know they want to you know here here are these you know hot young stars that have come to the WWF, and they usually have one in each match, and I don't know what this match would be because they. Is it, it had all is been it, there almost a year at this point. <laughs> oh, all right. I mean, I was going to say, is it maybe it's Tony Carbone, the official? <laughs> Actually, I think it's it's got to be Jim Brunzel because well, Blair had been there in '84, as you know. I've complained about that many times. Brunzel, I don't think came from the AWI until '85. The Hart Foundation are doing a near tag spot, but oh, they, that's a, that was kind of a cool little spot they did. There. Yeah. Yeah, you can tell you can tell who the inventive tag teams are if they if they're doing stuff like that. Yeah. And I and I'm willing to bet that Brett probably came up with that sort of thing as now for the first time in a long time Brian Blair is in the ring on a Greetings from Allentown affiliated podcast. <laughs> oh, and a figure four leg lock by Brian Blair. Yeah, and it, wow. it seems very early in the match for that, but Brett came in the ring and Holy crap, I just hit pause, but I swear that's, I didn't hit. I swear I didn't hit. That's really funny that he did a figure four in an early spot in the in the match because that's a finisher for two guys in the main roster yeah. at this point. Although guys who would have the figure four as their finisher didn't seem to w- win a lot of, I mean, a lot of high-profile matches. With it. Of course, Flair always talks about, I never actually won any of the matches, you know, with the figure four. I mean, you know, you just don't it, – it seems to be more of like a teased move where like, oh, he almost gets it on, but he gets kicked off or he gets rolled up for an inside cradle. 
I, I was going to say it's more or less the it's not more or less the you put it on and then the guy reverses it and then yeah. it's a, like reverse weird looking move that I always found funny because it's it's like okay so Flair puts the figure four on then he gets it turned over and now he's in like excruciating pain and yet he's the one that has to let go so I would almost say like if I put on my kayfabe hat. Wouldn't yeah, you just okay. let go? Wouldn't you just let go of the hold the second the guy like flips? No, you over? because when it's reversed, the pressure holding it on is then reversed. It's just good science. It's just good science. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, it's. Uh... I liked. I always liked when I liked when Brett would do the figure four off the uh, the the post, the ring post. Yeah, and he would well, like hang upside down. That looked that looked really awesome. The, yeah, if you don't, if your eyes aren't trained to look at the dude uh, holding uh, Brett holding the dude's leg up, because it's, yeah. uh, it's very hard to make it look. No, it's hard to make it look good, but yeah. Brett makes it look good because he's another guy that. While I did appreciate Brett, I always actually i I used to not like Bret Hart only because I found him to be a whiny little bitch around the time of WrestleMania Eight when he kept crying <laughs> that he wanted his belt back. <laughs> and, and I was like, dude, fucking Roddy Piper's the Intercontinental Champion. Let him be a champ. I love how 1992 is the year you almost turned on Bret Hart. There's something <laughs> about that that's very amusing. Like, all right, I'm getting out of the Bret Hart business, like, shortly before WrestleMania 8. It's like it's like selling your... <laughs> like, like, shortly before. Yeah, it's just like, it's like, it's selling your Apple stock right before they came out with the iMac. <laughs> or Homer not selling his pumpkin futures in, uh, exactly. by in as it were. Exactly. Like I, I seriously was like I was about ready to give up on Bret Hart before he went on to the stratosphere. I mean, when he, you know, we've talked about his '92, you know, between you and I, and yes. I think that it's it's phenomenal work. But yeah, for that brief period of time between January and April of 1992, I was not a big Bret Hart fan. <laughs> but then shortly after, shortly after that, I was a big, which is so funny because I remember marking out big time at the Survivor Series 91 during Brett's like when he was, you know, I don't know, when he was in that tag match with Piper and against the Mountie and Ric Flair. And I was just like, oh, oh, oh you mean the one with the ridiculous everybody is uh, counted out except for one guy, even though yeah. there's only two legal men in the ring. And also, this is going to make me sound really stupid, but I was always proud of the fact that even though we didn't have a World Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion at the end of 1991, going into 1992, we were definitely well represented by the Intercontinental Champion because he was such a stand-up guy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I thank you for your humor because with this being a Bryant Blair match, uh, I said I'm just very troubled that I'm watching this. So I have the laptop in front of me but also on the screen behind me, uh, to- Tommy is slapping around a uh, the guy who owns the restaurant on Goodfellas. Oh, nice. Tommy Christian is kid. Seven thousand, I told him. You know you're a real mutt. You know that. Come on, again, you embarrassed me in front of my friends. That's right around the time of one of my clown. Am I here to make you laugh? Am I here to yeah, fucking it's, it's- it's right after because he has the violent outburst and then, like smashes the thing over the guy's head, like, and then says, "What the fuck are you looking at?" to the to the dude with the Hawaii leg. Yeah, yeah. And then, and now it's the power. He goes, uh, and then at the end, he's like, "You're a funny guy." Wait, this is your favorite pot right here coming up because it's the pot. What do, what do I know about restaurants? Oh yes, 
<laughs> all I know is I, I sit down and I order the meal. <laughs> when you when you were in my house recently, you t- you said that like five times. What do I know? And it was like everything. You were like, "What do I know about medical coding?" <laughs> like, what do I know yeah. about? All I know about going to the grocery store. All I do is you go in there, you come out here with the bags of groceries. That's all I know. You grab your food, you go. Of course, I was in a grocery store earlier today, and uh, the the whole thing is just get, get in and out of there as quickly as possible. Yeah, I, I, and I'm and I'm being socially conscious and wearing my mask, but even even then, walking around, I'm like, I start doing this, like, <sighs> I definitely look like somebody that has coronavirus because I'm sweating, <laughs> I'm breathing heavy, I look like I'm about to pass out. So yeah, I definitely look like I have coronavirus. I look like Agent Zero or Patient One or whatever, but I don't have coronavirus. <laughs> oh, okay. So so it doesn't pass the eye test, literally, the eye test. Yes, no, I, I I would say I'm a false positive at this point. <laughs> Let's just say an untrue positive, untrue. right? Let's say just a fake news positive. This is Jimmy, Jimmy Hart with the megaphone. Always He's got the red, the red with the black tiger stripes on. Come on, come on, right. baby. Come on, baby. <laughs> now, these these teams, the Hart Foundation, the Killer Bees, like seriously low-key, must have had like 6,000 freaking matches between 1985 and 1987. So even by February of 86, when this is, they could probably do this all blindfolded. I like how you said earlier that you think this match would be cut for time. Uh, where are they cutting it for time? <laughs> this is like that, that, the- that's true. I did say that about uh, 10 minutes there ago. There is seriously I? nothing happening in this match. Well, you know, I'm gonna, I'm just going to have to eat it on that one. It really you was know? about 10 minutes ago because I, would say it, I just saw the timer on the video. It said 14 minutes. Yep. And I would say there was probably about a full four minutes of the intro. So this has been a 10-minute tag team match between the – untested heart foundation and the killer fucking bees like come on man yeah i mean you you can trace the heart foundation when when they don't have enough pink in their outfit yeah that that means that they haven't quite made it yet although i love their i love the outfits they had on in the uh wrestlemania 2 battle royal like the blue the blue and black i liked that well you know what almost caused me to turn on brett oh was uh, those those ridiculous band jackets that they wore? Like I, I was always annoyed by those. I don't think I don't think I've vocalized that before. Like, so. The ones they wore, especially at WrestleMania Seven. Yeah, and the ones when Brett went to WCW, he's like, yeah, yeah. they all got stolen out of the locker room <laughs> every well, time. I, would, I love the I love the notion of Brett having like four of those things and it getting stolen twice, but him still deciding to bring the other two to work. <laughs> what. I- what I liked about WrestleMania 7, and I know that you know this because I'm sure you watched WrestleMania 7 within the last year or so because you did a, uh, you know, you did your Adams Division's podcast, um, is the hat that Jim Neidhart wears. It's like a pink, it looks like a condom. A shower, I swear. Well, it looks like a shower cap. It looks, of like, some it looks kind. like it, it does. It looks like a shower cap, but it also looks like a leather condom. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, is Jim Neidhart trying to tell us something? <laughs> he's trying to tell he, he us something. Re- he really loves diving into pussy. Is is what it's all about. I oh, mean, is Jim, it, it's, Jim Neidhart another pussy hound? Well, I'm, no, I'm not saying Aren't that. I'm all... saying, you know, if he if somebody throws the ball over the plate, he's swinging. If you if you catch what I'm saying, I sure do. Wouldn't that he's... have been a good exchange between like between Gorilla and Jesse, especially during like the WrestleMania four tag title match? If he just was like, you think 
You think Rick Montel is a pussy hound? I don't know, Gorilla. Oh no. Well, do you think? Do you think, Gorilla? Let me ask you something. Do you think that Rick Montel? Which? Who do you think gets more pussy on a weeknight, Rick Montel or Tito Santana? I don't know, Jess. If that didn't get brought up in the opening match of WrestleMania three with the Can Ams, I, I I don't know when it's ever <laughs> brought up. They would have got the Hillary. I mean, that was the time on pay per view <laughs> at four ten in the afternoon Eastern time to be yeah. you know just asking that question. I don't know, Gorilla. So is it, it's always annoying when, like, uh, when, like somebody says something completely stupid. It's like, I'm just asking questions. <laughs> oh, I always say to my friend, I go, this is how a conversation goes. I ask you questions, you answer the questions. <laughs> That's a conversation. Indeed. <laughs> that nice, nice drop kick by Brett Hosh. Is this over? Please tell me it's over. That referee took about six seconds. Uh, fake Ricardo Maltabon took forever to get down and make the count. Ricardo Montalban. This is still going on. Can we get another rest hold, please? Yeah, well, I mean, maybe I should invent something for the show called the Sonic Jump Ahead, and, like, I would just, you know, go to the... I would try to figure out where the next match is. Yeah, that's okay. It's still fun. We can talk about other things. <laughs> now, yeah, were, they, well, were they doing the heart attack at this point? Oh, yeah. They did, all right, so they were doing I think that. I see them do that on TV in 85. Come on, Ricardo. Wait, get over there and make it count. <laughs> As oh Jim Brazil kicks out at two again. Jim Neidhart sure had a flat, flat top, didn't he? Mm. It's like the picture of Johnny Nidus from The Simpsons. Now, there's a haircut you could set your watch to. <laughs> Not like that hippie Joe Namath. <laughs> Look at him. He looks like a girl. <laughs> I think that's the music that plays when uh, yes. Homer's mother sees Joe Namath's hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, her, and her world is open. I mean, you know, she was married to Abe Simpson, so <laughs> I yes. don't think she needed her world to be open. I always liked those episodes when Homer's mother would come back. Those are always nice episodes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting Probably. comments, nonetheless. Probably. Probably were not enough of them. <laughs> you just so just for anybody listening, Pete just Pete just sped this up, and now it looks now it looks. <laughs> I, can, I can tell you, there's no wrestling match that hasn't been improved by uh, by putting at 1.25 times speed, and I, and I don't mean Uh-oh. like. I don't mean was, that these guys are working too slow. I just mean that I want to see the guys that I remember from my youth who were slower moving faster. Wait, like, we just met, we just met, missed the Bret Hart Memorial Charge under the turnbuckles. Uh, that, that's not a memorial, and he's not fucking dead. But it, but we got the Brian Blair hot tag, Brian and it's Blair. going and because it's going at one point two five times speed. There's something very comical about this. Oh, it's hilarious. It's like yeah, it's like the Benny the Benny Hill music should be playing in the background. Oh, a small package. Yeah. Jesus Christ! Even after the hot tag and him clearing, clearing, clearing house, he still fucking kicks out. This is awful. I mean, it's. I don't think it's nearly as bad as you say. In fact, I, I don't. I think you might get some hate mail for hating this match so much. But this thing's going on so long that I'm pretty sure it's trending towards a draw. The come on, Ricardo. <laughs> Two. No, 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 best of. Are you serious? They would do a draw on a best of? 
Of course. I mean, there are great matches that can be draws, right? Sting and Flair at the first clash. Yeah. It's just that I think WWF fans are, you know, I mean, at least here's the thing. At least a draw at the WWF at this time is maximum 20 minutes. Yeah. But the difference is in the NWA, I, I, I don't know, I guess lower on the card they would have draws, but it's like, you know, Ric Flair wrestled to a 60-minute draw versus blah, 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 and it feels like that you hear about his draws more than anybody else's. Yeah. Well, he was the is, I know it's an odd thing to say, taken out of context. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want to hear something really controversial? Yep. And I may get hate. We may get hate mail for this. <laughs> okay. I, I was I was rewatching some of the In Your Houses from 1995, <laughs> and uh, 1995 is not as bad as everybody thinks. <laughs> and no. No, there was lo- there was a lot of like Kevin Nash or or Big Daddy Cool Diesel as he would be known as he's known to be. He actually got a lot of pop when he like would win his matches and shit. Hmm. Like. There's that in your house where he fights Sid, and they had all the lumberjacks. It's the one where yep. um, Shawn Michaels beats uh, Jeff Jarrett for the Intercontinental title. Too. <clears throat> but when he wins at the end, dude, the house like comes off the roof. It's and I mean maybe they were adding an audio. You mean it's the roof possible. comes off the house. If the house comes off the roof, then we're then we're <laughs> in big trouble. It's like nuclear war. And by the way, Howard Finkel is telling the crowd that it has been ruled a draw because Brunzel hit his drop kick, and the, the bell rang at, after the. Oh, two- now we have Golden Boy Dan Spivey. New, excuse me, newcomer, newcomer. or at least he was then, because this is from November twenty fifth, nineteen eighty five, at Madison Square Garden. And it's Terry Gibbs versus the Golden Boy Danny Spivey, who is the newcomer in this case. First of two. Who appearances for Terry Gibbs on this tape? <laughs> you were not expecting that, though, were you? I was not, no. Yeah. I mean, here he's Thank got, like, God bless us, he's everyone. Got the, he's got the Texas boots on because I think they might still be trying to pass him off as Barry Windham for just a are, little bit longer. Are those Texas boots? Those look like Ugg boots. Yeah, I know, but they, it looks like they could pass for, like, you know, metrosexual cowboy boots. Oh, is that I, what I he was going to Hey, oh. everybody. Well, actually, no, those are furry boots. Those are Ugg boots. He's wearing Ugg boots in the rings, ladies and gentlemen. Golden Boy Dan Spivey. You know what? I think that that might have changed him in a profound way and led directly to the Waylon Mercy character. It's or as I long. call it, good Bray Wyatt. <laughs> yes. Hmm. I know. Like, he, he apparently didn't have, he, he apparently didn't have enough conversations with Bray Wyatt. Mm-hmm. And how? As as clearly, I needed a drink of water there, and I was just going. Mm-hmm. I, that's that's interesting. I was having a drink of water at the same time. Um, oh. You think that <laughs> we should have a show to see who could last longer? <laughs> you think? Um, you think Bray Wyatt kept having conversations with his uncle Barry Windham, and just like forgot that he thought he was talking to Dan Spivey. I want to be the guy who used to be the fake version of you. (laughs) Oh, I don't want to talk about Bray Wyatt. Please don't make me talk about Bray Wyatt. I created a wrestling podcast, so I wouldn't have to talk about Bray Wyatt. Look at that jump by Ted Arcidi. He did did like a hubble. Oh, it's Terry Gibbs. 
sorry. Terry Gibbs. I apologize. I say, well, how are you? What are you, ahead in the tape or something? Because <laughs> I sped it up. Oh, no. Well, if I sped it up, I'd be way ahead of you. It's a big bear hug. Yeah, that's just what you want to see on a best of tape is a, a bear hug spot by a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Terry Gibbs lay uh, with the bear hug on Barry Windham. This is not exactly the iconic uh, Hogan Andre WrestleMania three oh. <laughs> bear hug spot picture. It certainly is not. Do you think? Do you think that Golden Boy Dan Spivey could have had the ball and ran with it if something had happened to Hulk Hogan? Well, they would have had to shave some of the hair off the top of his head. That's the first thing. <laughs> You think Hogan at one point was like, "Get this guy out of here. He can't wear he can't wear yellow tights." That's well, my it'd, be probably, brother. it'd be funny if like I went through the history of WWE.com, like looking at Dan's five year results and realizing, "Oh shit, he was never in the same place as Ho- Hogan at the same time. <laughs> never on the He's same just, show." Who's who, so? Is, is he Hogan wearing wearing a toupee? <laughs> uh, no, I think it's it's just somebody aspiring to the throne. I kind of like which, how Dan, which I know probably means nothing because after all, the job of Randy Hogan exists. I mean, yes, but Dan Spivey kind of looks. Bear with me. He 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 kind of looks similar to Stunning Steve Austin. Oh, well, I don't. Know. Stunning, stunning Steve. Did stunning Steve Austin ever have as much hair as Spivey has? Which I think is the uh, Adam yeah. Rich from Eighties Enough. Yeah, absolutely. When he I know was like, a name, but when he was like. St- when he was like stunning Steve, and like maybe his bangs weren't as long, but he definitely had long hair. I mean, you know, when he was the TV champion, absolutely. Yeah. When he was managed it, by in the USWA, also. Yeah, and then Paulie da- Polly Dangerously. Yeah, it wasn't until he went to like the uh, Hollywood Blondes that he kind of like cut his hair and did that like weird. I don't know. It started going to bad places. Yeah, and then he just said, fuck it, I'm going to shave it. it. You know who's had truly awful hair, and I know this might totally fucking derail what we're looking here at here, is uh, the Macho Man Randy Savage in, like, 1999. Yeah. Yeah. His I know you're a scholar up. of late-era WCW. It's, it's his, I call it his what up, Mach like era. It's when he came out to the what up, Mach, damn it. <laughs> Ooh yeah, like that stupid rock music that was awful. It's like, what the hell is this? Where is pomp and circumstance? I could even deal with the WCW version, which had that like random guitar solo written that sounded like Hogan was playing guitar underneath it. But I could deal with that. Yeah, but I was like, how do you how do you have rent? Now we're doing another bear hug spot. This time it's Dance Five on Terry Gibb. I didn't know you loved uh, "quote unquote" new metal so much. <laughs> I don't. Not not your cup of tea, apparently. What up, Mach? <laughs> Come on, seriously. Terry Gibbs doing a bag off spot here. I mean, this guy, and I told you this via text. Terry Gibbs did not regard Bret Hart as a good worker, per uh, an account in Bret's book. Which I believe because I don't think he was doing score. I don't think Brett would be would even care about doing score settling with Terry freaking Gibbs. No, it'd be like in Mad Men when Ginsburg says to Draper, "I feel sorry for you," and Draper's like, "I don't think about you at all." 
And he's doing a bulldog. Come on. No, he's imitating Barry Windham, clearly. Still. What up, Mutt? Oh, yeah. All right, you've got to cut that off because I cannot stand to listen to that particular thing. Well, good. We're back in Boston for uh, Billy Jack Haynes versus Moondog Rex. from. Oh, my God. It's a god in though. Yeah, June 27th, 1986, so some three weeks after the Boston Celtics won their 16th NBA championship. Oh, how about that? Yeah. You know whose but, theme music I really liked, believe it or not? Um, Outback Jack. Oh, oh no. <laughs> oh, no. I'm going to have you taken out of here in a minute. I'm just kidding. I didn't. But that's like a real your name was da- I just wish your name was David. So I go, ew, David. Ew. Ew, David. Ew, Keithy. Uh, Billy Jack has Oregon written on the back of his uh, trunks, which uh, did you know that Oregon has uh, universal mail-in balloting for their elections? Have they had any of their um, mail-in ballot locations uh, confiscated by the United States government? Well, I'm not sure. I don't have very good sources on the ground there, apparently. So uh, let me let me let me find out about that. Why don't we table that? Why don't we put that in the parking lot and come back and find out? I thought Moondog Rex was one of the hillbillies here, and we were having a bizarro face-on-face match because he's wearing like you know ratty-looking jeans. Then again, yeah. that is what the dogs kind of wore. Hmm. So yeah, this is this is a Boston Garden show, and. As as I'm looking, eyeing through here, with the exception of one match that was from a TV taping in Poughkeepsie, just about everything else on this show will be from Madison Square Garden. So you're going to get more MSG than an old school Chinese restaurant, Keithy. <laughs> That's a good one. That was a good one. I, I I don't know. People have their tells of what arena it is with these old with this old footage. I mean, with Madison Square Garden, it's often the aisle way. But I was used to know when it would be the Burger King ad on like the well, like one of the facades on the seating. Mm-hmm. When I saw that Burger King ad, I knew it was MSG. Mm. Here in Boston, it would be the Technics ad on the balcony. Yeah, I guess that in the gold floor too. That was kind of unique. I always, I always liked, uh, I always liked going to the garden, like better than I liked going to the 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 new garden or the fleet center or whatever, you, you know, whatever you're gonna call it. Yeah, it, well, getting into seats at the old Boston Garden was not particularly enjoyable. Yeah, because sometimes you'd be right behind a pole. Yeah, no, there was the same thing as um yeah, don't they have like the don't they have that in like the new well what is it like whatever the club is where they have like the the area that in the garden where they now where they show sit in the old seats of the garden and they and you sit there and it's like you're right in front of like a pole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like that. That's in that um What's that? Yeah, what's that place called in uh in the Fleet Center, where you go in, like, the special... What, Le- Legends? Yeah, Legends. Thank you. Sorry. Legends. Yeah. I, I haven't been invited to that. I, they gave me one free pass my uh, really? first year as a season ticket holder, and I have not wow. been back since, because they have not given out a pass for that. I or at least one when I could use it. 
Yeah, but you're like, you have season tickets. You're like a big to-do over there. I mean, yeah. aren't you? Uh, I would figure, I'd figure you would get like, I don't know, once a year or maybe something. Yeah, I'm not, get, like, I'm not too. I'm not too worried about it. Billy Jack wins with the full Nelson. So in case you're wondering, did he ever beat a name opponent with it in the WWF? Yes. Moondog Rex. So Hell, Billy, he's a former tag champion, for God's sakes. So Billy Jack went to – he must have gone to the University of Oregon. Uh, I highly I doubt imagine. That. You don't think I so? Hi- you don't think he's a duck? You're, you haven't sat down and taken the time to read crazy Billy Jack Haynes stories, have you? No, but, I mean, why would he be wearing green – He's wearing green trunks with the letters with Oregon spelled out in yellow lettering. That's hey, Oregon. he's very proud of his home state. I mean, yeah, but that's the wrestled, universe. So if you wrestled, would you have you would have Massachusetts written on your ass if yeah, uh, have, if you I'd wrestled. have ass. It would just say ass. <laughs> it would say mass, but then I would pull the letter M off. So that pulling the ass, like, putting the ass in Massachusetts. <laughs> I think Billy Jack Haynes went to the University of Oregon for a hot minute, and I'm going to look it up right now. Billy Jack Haynes, uh, there is no information if he went to the University of Oregon. <laughs> okay, well, it, it doesn't. As, lo- say as long as you admit defeat. Uh... Hold on a minute. Hold on. Do I admit defeat? It has no information on his. Um, it has no information on his Wikipedia page as to whether or not he went to the University of Oregon. Okay. I just, well, I just, we'll be able I just to took that. More later. Well, I know, but I just took that leap because he was wearing green trunks with the yellow lettering of Oregon, and he's from Oregon. But that's specifically, you know, he was married to Lady Blossom. Yeah, it was a green card wedding. He's, oh a, he's talked about that in interviews. Yeah, go watch yourself a few Billy Jack Haynes shoot interviews, and uh, and then come back uh, and talk to you. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you'll ever be the same, <laughs> <laughs> or at least you'll never look at him the same. So we 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 are into the next match here, which is a kind I'm of sorry. two really big names is Junkyard Dog taking on King Kong Bundy from June Fourteenth, eighty six at MSG. Yeah, with Junkyard having the thump on his ass. Yes. Bundy Look, looking as large as ever. I mean, think about it. I mean, Bun- Bundy did tumble down the card pretty quickly after WrestleMania 2, but I don't know. It was, he was a victim of they basically accelerated the program immediately to a cage match, so he didn't get his you know, earlier match with Hogan. Yeah. Well, they we had watched- to run the- they ran the circuit. They had to run the circuit around. You it, know. There wasn't much of a circuit after WrestleMania because they're off. Back in those days, they would be off for like, you know. But that, but that, but that match got set up in February, right? Oh yeah, shit. They would have only had. They had to have a couple of matches before the WrestleMania match, right? Well, unless they did a practice at a house show, which I doubt that they would have, because it might have killed the. Uh, Wow! Town. See, there's the Burger King ad in the background. That's how I know oh, yeah. MSG. You were going to ask me if I watched. What did I watch? You were going to say you must have watched. Do you not what? remember? Oh, I don't no, know. I lost my. <laughs> I'm sorry. I saw the Burger King ad, and all I could think of was Whoppers. Some fans are pointing and yelling at Bundy. Gorilla says that Bundy has Excedrin headache number five, which is a reference to a commercial campaign for Excedrin. Little yellow, different. Um. 
JYD is wearing the all light blues, as has been the recent trend of baseball teams to adopt light powder blue style uniforms of late. <laughs> Junkyard dog. Now he was he was near the end of his rope, and as far as like his abilities at this point, right? Yeah, it, it, you can tell that something is definitely off, but it's not clo- it's not close to where it got in like 1990 when he was basically he basically no. was the baby face African American version of the Iron Sheik in terms yeah. of his gut. Yeah, no, he looked like he was pregnant <laughs> the whole time. Cheeky, cheeky looks like he was eleven months pregnant or something. Cheeky, baby. In like yeah, in like Great American Bash '90. I thought he was giving birth to a fourth grader. <laughs> Uh, so I, I I don't know. Maybe save it. I, I really can't think of a way to save Bundy as, I mean, you're kind of just doing the natural progression down the card where Bundy is facing Junkyard Dog, who, if not the number two baby face, and he, he, he isn't. No. He's certainly in the top six or seven. Yeah. No lower than that. Well, what year is this again? This is from when? 86. 86. Who, who was the number two baby face in the, con- in the company at the time? Probably, probably Paul Orndorff, and they were about to turn him into the number one heel because yeah. that post WrestleMania two period is is like, gets a little dull in May of '86, and yeah. part of it is kind of they taped about six weeks worth of TV before Mania two. Actually, it might have only been four, but there yeah. was a lot of TV that aired after WrestleMania two that was taped beforehand. Yeah, Junkyard Darkness is a falling headbutt. And then Hogan Hogan turns on Hogan. Orndorff turns on Hogan. And no, you were right. Hogan turns on Hogan. Hogan turns on Orndorff. That's what it should have been. <laughs> I shot on myself, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a masturbation joke, but it isn't. So, no, I mean, I don't think you can say Bundy. I mean, the only thing that would have made... No, because, yeah, because at the time, a cage match is kind of like, is the end, you know? Yeah, as we got a double clothesline where the junkyard dog did the delayed flat back bump where he stood there for like six seconds and then fell backwards. Would you say King Kong Bundy, like this error of King Kong Bundy, is a, is a guy you'd like to put in a time machine and bring into another, like a different part in time? Like, I know he was in 95, but by that point, he was, yeah. wasn't fun. But Earlier, would you say like... Yeah, would you take, like, 1986 Bundy and put him in, like, shit, put him in today's wrestling? Or put him in, like, you know, post-attitude post attitude era, but not, like, you know, not John Cena era yet, maybe? Uh, you know? I don't know. Bundy in the Ruthless Aggression era? Yeah. I, I, I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> I would look. I'd want to see the uh, King Kong Bundy Ruthless Aggression uh, documentary on the WWE <laughs> Network, but but like Bundy for but Bundy versus Batista, Bundy versus like yeah Bundy versus John Cena, Bundy versus Kurt Angle, you know, Bundy versus Biker Taker, Bundy ver- yeah Bundy versus Rey Mysterio, <laughs> like I'm sure you would have had a much more entertaining matchup between Bundy and Rey Mysterio than we got Bundy versus Big Show. Or but no, no but, uh, Rey Mysterio versus Big Show. The only thing I remember from that whole feud was when Rey Mysterio was on the 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 stretcher, and 
Big Show picked him up and swung him like a baseball bat, and it's the funniest thing I've ever seen on wrestling television. Because <laughs> Rey Mysterio's all strapped into like to the plastic stretcher board, and then they just Big Show just he picks him up and he just sw- he swings it at like the at the steel at the steel post, <laughs> and Rey's just strapped in like, okay, this is happening. All right, if if I could bring 1986 King Kong Bundy to like you know the the recent past, maybe not this year since yeah. uh, since since that's not gonna work. I'd book an angle for him where I don't know how I would set it up, but in a backstage segment, Bundy would get on a scale and it would malfunction and it would say that he weighed 197 pounds, <laughs> and then he would start he would start competing in the cruiserweight division. And because, you know, of his immense size advantage, he would win matches almost like it squashes every time. And he, he, he wins the cruiserweight title quickly. And, and what happens is you have WWF officials or whoever running out to try and weigh him and to basically to, like, serve him with, like, a subpoena. Except they, they, need, they need to weigh him for... Uh, you know, the purposes of, you know, record keeping. If he weighs sure. more than 205, obviously he's kicked out of that, uh, kicked out of the cruiserweight division. Yeah. But then, but then something comical happens every time he goes to get weighed in. <laughs> like something happens, like, you know, the, and it starts off something simple, like, you know, like you said, there was some kind of malfunction with the scale, but then it just gets into grander, more, you know, more pr- production value of things that go wrong. Like, you know, somebody else jumps on him and attacks him, and then the scale says, well, now the scale says it weighs 500 and something pounds, but it's because, and he's like, and he is, he has an attorney, and his attorney goes, well, how do we know that? How do we know that? Um, I don't know. Give me a fucking cruiserweight. I don't know. Metalik. How do we know Metalik doesn't weigh four hundred pounds? <laughs> um, yeah. We show like we show like people's court and like King Kong monies. That what just happened? Uh, it was a disqualification uh, for for some for some reason. Oh. You know, Junkyard Dog is laying flat on his back, counting the lights. It was a DQ victory for the. Junkyard dog. How? I didn't see Bobby Heenan interfere. I think he might have grabbed the leg or something. I don't. I don't know what because I think the camera missed it, which you know, par for the course considering what was going on the last time. So they're going to set him up for an avalanche in the corner. Then you get the as Heenan slaps him, paintbrushing him. Yeah, but he's actually hitting JYD. Okay, it's kind of a light touch. Yeah, I like my Bundy and Bundy in the cruiserweight division. That that's that's what I would do with Time Machine Bundy. That's I love that, Pete. That's fantastic. That's that's better than anything on wrestling right now, and that's including AEW. So, and I'm a horrible booker too, but I really think that that idea from a comedic perspective could work. Yeah. As we now go away from King Kong Bundy, my that beloved. Came? <laughs> no, you just think it's Kane because it's Jimmy Jack Funk taking on Tony Gurria from MSG, June fourteenth, nineteen eighty-six. That we, sounds familiar. Are we sure it's not Kane? Like a like a young? Are we sure Glenn Jacobs wasn't Jimmy Jack Funk? 
I'm I'm fairly certain because I, I think that's the kind of conspiracy theory that would have gotten out somehow. <laughs> also, Jimmy Jack Funk, because of our hero King Tonga, has only had only one eye because uh, uh, King Tonga took it for himself, <laughs> and and he could take whatever he wants <laughs> for the it's kingdom like of Tonga. It's kind of like how was the last week where you said Andre the Giant. The first rule for Andre the Giant is he can do whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah, that's Andre the Giant rule number one for King Tonga. <laughs> he can do whatever the fuck he wants. It's no wonder that it's no wonder they became fast friends and formed fast the colossal friends, connection. Absolutely, former champions, and the only one that could the only one that could seemingly hurt Andre was Haku's super kick, so his savat kick, so you know Haku. Haku and Andre being best friends. Wrestling matches, the fun never ends. Wrestling. Haku Andre <laughs> being best friends. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't really get to the end of that before. Uh, no, I like that. It's a. That's a good. St- that could have been right. That could have been on um, after Perfect Strangers on the uh, on uh, you know TGIF on NBC. ABC. ABC. Come on. ABC. ABC! How you know how much hate you? mail you'd get for uh, <laughs> TGIF on NBC? Come on. I remember must-see must TV on CBS. I mean, are you getting any hate mail for your constant um, Say by the Bell bumpers that you had this past week on GFA oh, no, proper? No. The only thing that surprised me is that I did not receive 100,000 letters saying that how much they loved it. I was actually surprised by that. <laughs> I will tell you, I did. I was telling a friend of mine um, about your uh, analysis of the click <laughs> as, oh, as, yes. as members of Save by the Bell, and I will tell you, you were very spot on with it. <laughs> well, thank you. I my only regret is that I couldn't find somebody to be Kelly Kapowski. Mm. My only regret is that you didn't sing. Have you didn't do an impression of Shawn Michaels singing? Um, you know, I'm so excited. <laughs> like. I'm so excited, Jack. I'm so scared, Jack. <laughs> yeah, perhaps perhaps a missed opportunity on that. I think that's the easy. That was the easiest one though, because you went. I want to compare Shawn Michaels to Jesse Spano because you know they're both pillheads. <laughs> well, that was that was that was the uh, starting premise there. Well, and uh, don't forget that 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 um, later on in life she became a stripper, and as we. Yes. You know, as we, I think we established Shawn Michaels' gimmick, you know, was that he was a stripper, or at least more of a strip, more of a Lothario. Well, that's a movie we could watch for for one of the showgirls. No, I'm good. (laughs) No, I'm good. If you want to watch a movie about strippers, I'd rather watch Striptease with Demi Moore. So, oh, okay. And Burt Reynolds. I saw that in the theater, by the way. That's a great movie, and I will challenge anybody to the death that says otherwise. Mm. Interesting comments, nonetheless. Back to live action with Tony Garia. Tony Garia doing the uh, asking the crowd where uh, or how he, he should, should kick, kick Jimmy Jack Fuck in the nuts. Should I kick him in the balls, folks? Imagine just nobody cared. More or less, as Garia gets caught. It's like that? a bear, a bear hug, but then oh. gets put into a power slam position. On the DBRC Sawyer scale, that power slam was a point five. I am only giving half a point for strength. What a match that was! Now oh, we get... oh, 
handsome Harley race. It is not is not King Harley race against Leaping Lanny Poffo because he's got the sort of France looking outfit where it's the red and the white collar, yeah. the blue, and it just says race on the back of it. And he's taking on the one and the only Leaping Lanny Poffo. Hickory dickory dock. Oh, okay, Lanny, we don't want to hear anything else. Yes, he just he just brain busted Lanny oh, Poffo on the floor. Oh. A brain buster on the floor. That used on to the... put Ted DiBiase out for three months. <laughs> I don't know. How am I going to get back in the ring? I better My dick is caught in this chair. <laughs> My dick. No, right now he has his dick stuffed up his ass. <laughs> Who's that referee with, like, the uh, flat top haircut? Yeah. Yeah, you just get an extended cell of a brain buster on the floor in 1986. I mean, there, was, there was no padding just for, you know. Yes. Oh, oh. Ooh, I could to... feel that all the way to my balls. <laughs> oh, no. I just got choked on the top rope, kind of like how I choked myself on my dick later on. In the uh, <laughs> I wonder how much offense Lanny is going to get against Harley Race in 1986. Oh, he's going for the belly to belly. Boom. I love how casual it was, how it just took its time. It fucking Poffo kicks out at two. And the Harley race, belly to belly. Ugh. I am outraged. Outraged. You think like you think at one point, like you think when Harley Race was having his his meeting with Vince to discuss coming to the WWF, he asked Vince if there was ever a chance that he was gonna be the champ? No. Because I think Harley Race was a realistic person enough to know that the tide was changing. It was Hogan's world by that point. And that's why he, you know, just kind of eased up on the whole, you invaded my territory. I will kill all you motherfuckers. Like, mm. eventually, Harley put down the gun and decided to do business. Kind of like uh, they would do sometimes in Goodfellas, which is on AMC right now. It's <laughs> Billy Bats is in the bar and he's mouthing off the Tommy Shines. Oh. <laughs> And go home and get your fucking shine box. You motherfucking mutt, you! That a fake old tough guy, he bought his button! <laughs> Keep him here! Keep him here! Uh, yeah, yeah, come on! You feel strong? That's Phil Leotato, just for anybody that, you know, any Soprano fans out there. <laughs> no, more the... no more shines, Billy. No more shines, Billy. Huh? What? <laughs> it's because he, he, he's also... What? No more shines. No more shines. Oh, I would love to do a podcast uh, if I if we just pick sides. Like one of us be Tommy and one of us be Billy Bats. No more shines, Billy. Huh? The Billy Bats character just yells out, uh, "Now get your fucking shine box!" Every three minutes, whether he needs to or not. Break up my party. At <laughs> the end, there. <laughs> Drinks are on. The house. <laughs> Oh, uh, boy. Are you going to snap when it gets to the, your favorite part of the movie? Is What's the second favorite? You know, you know what kind of questions I would ask him? Are you going to snap? <laughs> you might lose it. If, if we're still recording when that happens, you might lose it. The part when Maury gets whacked is kind of funny because all I ever hear is, ah, oh, that fucker would never shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I Just like echo, see- echoing through the ages, the Maury, the mastermind of the... Uh, Lufthansa, Lufthansa heist. I like how I just like how when uh, 
when he's in the when they're in the the, the wig shop and he's yelling at Henry that he wants his money from uh, Jimmy, and then <laughs> Jimmy, oh no, that he's not going to pay. Whoa, what a maneuver by Lady Yeah, but um, there's the scene. So he's he's yelling that he doesn't want to give Jimmy the money. Yeah. And then Jimmy, and it's the commercial. They're watching the commercial of how his wigs never come off. And then Jimmy comes over, puts him in a headlock, and his wig immediately falls off. <laughs> I love that. What is this? What are they trying to do? Like he's trying to do like a like a flying head scissor, Lanny yes. But then he got dropped. He got dropped. A hot shot around the like, top rope. He tried it like three times, though. Yeah, they did. They did take. They, they were very unsure of that spot. I, w- I will grant you. Handsome Harley Race, huh? Yes, he was very, very handsome. And he's wearing the Tony Gurria tr- trunks at this time as he wins with the cradle suplex, which is the lazy man's perfect plex because you don't have to bridge. Yeah. Harley looks a little beefy there. Don't tell him I said that. <laughs> Even though he's been dead for three years, he can still beat the shit out of me. He's dead now. Uh, and now the reason why we're here, the Giant John Studs Body Slam Challenge. But first, it's about with Jim Powers and Rick Hunter on the June 3rd, 1986 Poughkeepsie, New York Championship Wrestling tapings and aired on the June 14th Championship Wrestling. And this is why we're here to watch this? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I knew that you were a huge fan of Rick Hunter. And uh, that—that's yeah. the whole reason. Yeah. Don't you? I—I I thought I saw some Rick Hunter merchandise when I was at your place a few weeks ago. I did, but you know, the rich, the 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 the, the Rick Hunter garden gnome. Like <laughs> I, I thought that that was weird that you got that custom made. That's oh, autographed by him too. Oh, look at Heenan. He's in a—he's in a suit there. He's like, yeah, like all Ric Flair and shit. It's, he's holding up the money, showing, okay, we're ready to oh. pay whoever, even though he welched on Hold it. Hold on. One. Wait a minute. Oh, there yeah. There he is. It is King Tonga in his the trunk The man, era. the myth, the legend, the one and only, the man who we all must pay homage to, the one true king of professional wrestling. Okay, of, of professional wrestling, yes. Well, what? As well, to- I was going to say, G- Jesus is my only true king. But <laughs> if I can't have Jesus, Haku is a hell of a backup. Listen, I, I pray to Haku at night, and every morning I thank him for waking up. So, you know. And yeah, he's King I, Haku I, at this point. No, well, he's, he's King, king Tonga. Tonga. But he's yeah. King Tonga. Like, he's king. Yes. You know? Yeah. For, I, they probably had him change it because his real name is Tonga, and they didn't want him using that name in other places. So, Tonga has been remaindered to the back as he wanted to do the body slam challenge right then and there, but instead we're going to get the one-on-two handicap match. Mm. I mean, Jim Powers, think about his appearance on Tuesday Night Titans as one of the job guys from that one episode that I covered, episode 150 of Greetings Valentine. And I feel like there's absolutely no progress with Powers from that point in 85 to here in 86, a year later. He's just like the same guy, although he did apparently pop into world class for a brief time. What, wasn't Rick Hunter on that episode too? Uh no, actually he uh, yeah, he was he was not. He was not one of the nine selected. Oh, 
in Rusty Brooks was obviously the undisputed star of that. Oh, they were just over at Tommy's house. I don't want to distract too much attention. Uh, Tommy's mother's house. I don't want to distract attention from the body slam challenge. Which uh-huh. Uh-huh. Is basically, two guys grabbing John under John Studd's crotch and trying to lift him and getting him about two inches off the ground. Listen, Ma, I'm going to borrow this knife, all right? I got to just take the knife for a little bit, you know. Gotta, <laughs> ooh, oh, you know, Ma, poor thing. He's got his he's got his foot, you know, the foot thing. Uh, what's the the hoof? The hoof? Yeah, the hoof is caught in the grill. We got to cut it off. We got to hack it off, you know. Ooh, ah, ooh. You know, it's matter of fact, yeah, Henry. He don't talk too much, huh? I love, I love, uh, I, I, I love Tommy's mother in this movie. I, I know it's Martin Scorsese's actual mom. Yeah, but it's like it's like she's just kind of quiet and uh, I don't know, submissive Sophia Petrello from Golden Girls. She's in Casino, you know. Oh well, I I just assume that everybody from Goodfellas makes an appearance at Casino at some point. In fact, but, I believe, but not the but not the other way around. Obviously, no. I think his dad's in Casino too, if I remember. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you'll yeah you'll be pleasantly surprised while watching Casino. Yes. I, as Stud covers, I, yeah, that's Wagner. I mean Wagner, Hunter Wagner. for the victory. He should have just put his foot on him. Like he's a. So a body. He's just gonna body slam dudes after the match to show I can body slam you, but you can't body slam me. Slams Hunter. So yeah, here he is. Oh, here's King Tonga. Now tell me, tell me he can look Watch this. Watch this. Chop, chop. Oh. And there it is. Thank you, and have a good night. Look at carrying him around, too, like he's nothing but a rag. Yes. Look at the crowd pop. Oh, my God. There's your next WWF World Heavyweight Champion right there, folks. King Tonga. If only. I mean, that could have filled three silver domes in 87. Seriously? That guy's a that guy's a champ. Look at him. Oh, he's fantastic. I love Haku. Look at him. <laughs> yes! Hey, he he, that, yes. That'll be the show image. Him with a hand on his hip and like kind of his arm in the John Travolta Saturday Night Fever pose. Oh, yes. But yes. It's, it's King Tonga, so that's why it's funny because you know it's so out of context. It's, yeah. Now we get the match from that night. June 14th, 86, Madison Square Garden. Once again, King Tonga versus Big John Stutt. So I think, obviously looking back, you're, you're bound to be disappointed in the King Tonga singles push that came out of that. Yeah. Because it was virtually non-existent. <laughs> well, and then he quickly became Haku, and then he became... Well, no, he was still Tonga when he was in the Islanders. Uh... Only it would, that would only would have been briefly because they did they did the name change for Tonga Kid also and made him Tama and then yeah. he would be Haku and then it becomes the Islanders that we know and love. Now Haku's got a lot more hair here. It's, he's almost got like a, a dare I say Mario Lopez AC Slater thing going on, mm. where it's a lot of business on the top, a lot of business in the back, and a lot of business everywhere. Yeah. It would have been fun if he grabbed the microphone and just called and just called uh, Big John Stun hip uh, preppy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see Finkel walk out of the ring like with his yeah. hands like up? Like, like, all right, all right, I'm believe, done. I can't believe the shit I have to put up with here. I can't believe it's not butter. What are you talking about? This is a quality match, right? This is probably the best. This is the best work Big John Stud's probably ever done in this frigging company. Hmm. You know, I don't really have much room to argue with you as to what the best Big John Stud match is. <laughs> um, 
I mean, it might be the 89 Royal Rumble by default. Uh, and he's only in it for a few minutes, obviously, because he enters near the end. The best Big John Stud match, in my informed opinion, I believe it was January of 1983 at, Ma- at Madison Square Garden against Backlund. Okay. I liked how his, like, his robe looks like an old bathrobe, like an old porn star bathrobe. Like oh, it almost in, certainly like, is. Movie. Yeah, but it's just like, it was just like an old bathrobe, like... I think my dad had that bathrobe, <laughs> and my father was not a porn star, but my father probably thought he was a porn star. <laughs> but like, you know, it's just like this old ratty bathrobe that you would wear on Saturday mornings. You know, like his balls are hanging out when he's on and on at home. You know, probably okay, his couple, balls were hanging out in the back of the locker room too. Couple of things: John Studd is a hell of a porn star name to have. Sure, uh, absolutely. But, but also, don't forget, he was from Los Angeles, California, is what he was built. So he probably made trips to the San Fernando Valley, you know, for his porn star friends. And yeah. he must have made a purchase at some point. Went down to Van Nuys. <laughs> As Haku, excuse me, King Tonga had him up, and he stud just sort of grabbed the ropes to prevent from being slammed. I don't know if I don't know if King Tonga is going to get the body slam in this one. It would almost feel like the angle was really rushed if you did that, because it only aired on TV on this day. Yeah. All right. So let me ask you a question about Big John Stud. Okay. Um, he's a Hall of Famer. Do you classify him in that Coco Beware Hall of Fame? Or do you think he is a deserving Hall of Fame member to be up there with the ranks of, like, I'll say, like, Rick Rude. I'm not going to say, like, you know, or, like, Hacksaw. I'm not going to say Hogan and Savage. It's, I don't, I don't know. I Like, obviously you mean WWE Hall of Fame. Yeah, I'm not talking and, about any, I'm not talking about a real Hall of Fame. I'm talking about oh, the. Oh, well, yes, there is no, there is no real Hall of Fame. Yeah. But I'm not talking about, like, the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame or the, uh, you know, the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame or the Cauliflower Club or any of that stuff. I'm talking about, like, I'm just talking about the oh, Vince yeah. McMahon well, Hall of Fame. He was, a, he was a foil to Andre. And, yeah. uh, you know, while their matches were never any good, really, uh, you, need a, you need a good foil to, you know, keep yourself interesting and in the conversation. And Andre's thing was always, I am, I am the giant. I fend off all other dudes. Hmm. But he had nothing of note. Like he didn't really do anything. Hmm. Like at least, like at least, like Honky Well, Tom not not him on the a, not him on the offense champion. No, but like, so he because he was Andre's number one nemesis, I guess that qualifies him to be like a deserving Hall. Like it kind of was like a big deal when he got in the Hall of Fame. I was like, really. It's fucking Big John Stud. This guy sucks. Oh, nice kick by Haku. Yes. Take him down. Come on. When I see King Tonga here and I kind of reflect on how, you know, nothing really happened and he's in a tag team within a couple of months. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Almost had him up again. It, it makes me wonder, like, the silent assassin babyface. That's a character that never goes out of style, but yet is so rarely actually pulled off. I'm thinking yeah. of you know Gold, Goldberg mainly is like being the greatest example of that work because he didn't talk, but they limited it by a great degree. Yeah, they're fighting on the floor, and we got a double count out because the bell is how, ringing. How about 
How about the Undertaker as a silent babyface killer? Well, he kind of was for you know for a while. I mean, yeah, Barrow would do the talking. Yeah, it was, it's unusual for a babyface to have a manager, but in that case, it worked because you needed somebody to steal the urn from. Yeah, <laughs> for the angles, the angles for the urn. I liked when they turned the urn into like a big gold chain for uh, for Kama. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, look at that. Look at him go. I mean, that was not the worst feud in the world. I mean, that's damning with very, very faint praise. Yeah. All right, you know you know what? I'll pledge to you. I will watch The Last Ride on the WWE Network at some point, but I do have oh to God, watch The Last fantastic. Dance first. No, it's don't, you don't have to. Listen, it's... it's Look, everybody... Don't you know everything about friggin' the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan doesn't everybody know everything about them it's not like it's like the last ride it was it, the undertaker led a secretive life pretty much almost the entire time he doesn't yeah, he, give he got to he got to protect his character like nobody yeah. else and that's that's why it's worth watching because it's a real it's a real good look at him as a as a man you know and then you really respect the guy even more afterwards at least that's how oh. I feel. They had a face-off on the floor with King Tonga and John Studd, where they're just like, yeah. Haku is very wary, even though you know if this is a shoot, John Studd would be walking backstage without a nose. <laughs> and possibly without an eye. <laughs> some sort of some sort of body appendage is coming off John Studd if this thing devolves into a shoot. He kind of looks like he's scared right now, doesn't he, John Studd? Look at him. Yeah. Some quality emoting by him. Maybe he As thinks. He, maybe he thinks it is a shoot. Heenan is calling off John Studd right now, but also he's looking at Haku and he's gaining respect. Like if I ever have a chance to get that guy into my family, I'm getting. I'm taking that chance. Look at the dancing. Are you kidding me? Can you make a? Oh, can you make that a GIF or GIF or whatever, and then send it to me so I can put that on my phone and look at it daily? <laughs> Yes, King Tonga dancing. Yes, I'm gonna have to find a way to to That's make uh, gift glorious. files. Like that. Yeah. Yes, I don't know how to make things like that. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> You're not interested in learning stuff anymore, not... are you? <laughs> no. I'm I'm gonna be 41 years old next week. I don't care. I'm I'm too old to learn anything new. Yeah. I uh, I just want to let you know that Spider is about to mouth off to Tommy. Oh. Hey, why don't you? <laughs> Why don't you go fuck yourself, Tommy? Oh, with this kid, the balls on this kid. <laughs> well, you see, he just pulled out the gun and he's doing it. Oh, look at me. I'm Annie Oakley. <laughs> you know, Spider, that's the biggest fucking sock I ever seen. <laughs> Dance the drink over here. Dance the drink over here. Drink, come here. And the Waco King. <laughs> What the fuck is this going on here, man? We get a post-match angle where it's like, let's, it restart, let's restart this match. And finish Are they it. restarting I pur- it? Or it? I purposely did not look it up to see how this was going to end. It would be funny if they did restart the match and then it still ended in a double count. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that referee, that referee is the guy from MSG who did the Hogan-Sheik match from 84 who looks about 70 years old. Then again, people aged quicker back then. Yeah. 
Yeah. Why don't you just walk to the locker room, stud? It's not like he's going to run out of the ring and sprint and chase you down like a cheetah. I'm starting to get very upset with John Stud. That that is our king. Yeah, he's not like he's not showing respect. He's not paying homage. Oh, here is the Terry Gibbs match against newcomer Ted Arcidi. Yes, and Arcidi is spelled wrong, which is which makes it even funnier. <laughs> it's it, his name is spelled A R C I D I, and they had it spelled A R C E D I. Now you're a big fan of Ted Arcidi. Yeah, he made that appearance on the Morton Downey Jr. show talking for an hour in the most thickest Boston accent you'd ever hear, you know, outside of this program. And, yeah, he's he's very, very bulky, like very, very top-heavy. Yeah. Like, I mean, you think like the opposite of like, like what Rick Rude is. He's like shredded and has like you know is is very sort of thin, thin motif. This this dude's thick. Yeah, Ted Arcidi, who was in, he was also in the town. Yes, and, uh, and the fighter. And, he picked uh, a great time to be like a fifty-year-old aging mobster, you know, with a Boston accent. <laughs> yes. Hmm. And I mean, you know, he could probably get, he should get all the roles that like they normally give to like Lenny Clock. I would be happy with that because, you know, <laughs> I feel like Lenny Clock just gets every friggin' hacky Boston job. <laughs> well, I was watching Four Days in October, which is that 30 for 30 on the 2004 Red yeah. Sox Yankees series. Yeah. And when Bill Simmons and Lenny Clark turned up on there, I was like, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, right, yeah, they're in this. Oh, yeah, so- I remember watching that. I remember when I watched it. Mean, shut the fuck up. You, yeah, you really hate Lenny Clark. Listen, I just want to go on record and tell all your audience that that is not what people from Boston sound like and talk like. It is an act. It is made up. That's not what they sound like. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we and on, on behalf of you, if I may speak for you for a moment, we, we both... <laughs> We both disavow those Sam Adams commercials you may have been oh, seeing and your, your cousin from Boston. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, that guy's an asshole. Just for anybody, anybody that doesn't understand, he is a complete and total asshole. Like, uh, I, he comes off as like a, one of my friends. His brother has a group of friends that are very kind of Boston obnoxious. If yeah, if, if that's the right term. That's a good phrase. And, I like that. And, you know, I'm like, this dude has to be, like, one of those friends. And I just don't – I'm like, yeah, he's my my friend's brother's, like, one of his good friends, but maybe yeah. not his closest friend. Yeah. So I I asked the guy whose brother I'm suspecting of this, and uh, he said, oh, yeah, it's, pr- it's almost I'm certainly sorry. a Malden firefighter <laughs> is, the ar- is the archetype. Yeah. Yo, yo, it's your cousin. I drink Sam Adams. Like, shut up. People from Ted, Ted Arcidi winning via the bear hug over uh, Terry Gibbs, who loses two matches on this tape. But I like. I want to point out that he lost very quick to Ted Arcidi. Yeah, well, you don't want Arcidi out there that long. He doesn't have a lot in that stamina bar. Oh, nice. Hercules. Hercules Hernandez. Yes, he still has the last name at this point, taking on Cousin Luke at the November 25th, 85 MSG show. So 
obviously he is managed by Blassie at this point because he has not been sold off to Slick and then sold off to Heenan back when Hercules didn't have a problem with being sold. Cousin Luke? Yes, this is the second fake hillbilly, I think, that they brought in. It was Uncle Elmer, and then there was Cousin Junior, and now we have Cousin Luke. Yeah. Not to be confused with Luke Williams. No. Who would colloquially be known as Cousin Luke by his cousin, Butch. Correct. Is he not wearing boots? He's just wearing socks? I don't think he's wearing socks. He's barefoot. Oh. Oh, his feet are just very, very white. Yes. Yeah. No, I saw a definition of toes, so he's definitely barefoot. Okay, but it looks like his feet are like the same have like the same skin color as like the Emperor in uh, Star Wars. Good, good. Let your hate flow through you. Yeah, this guy definitely looks like a knockoff of Hillbilly Jim, so Yeah, he's doing he was, like a Hillbilly was... Jim walk or well, they they created the stable of hillbillies to take advantage of Hillbilly Jim's popularity. When and to was... get Vince to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> How about that, pal? I love a good laugh, a good hillbilly laugh. <laughs> um, Just what you need, a, a Hercules Hernandez squashed, but you need a chin lock spot with Cousin Luke. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, this is that Madison Square Garden. It is. And what's the date on it? November 25th, 1985. Hmm. And one month to the day after this at Madison Square Garden, the world, or soon-to-be world champion Boston Celtics would blow a 25-point lead and lose to the Knicks in double overtime. Hmm. Why I have that committed to memory off the top of my head? Well, I just do. When you have as many 1986 Celtics videos on your YouTube channel as I do, uh, you think about them a lot. Yeah. I was trying to think of the day that Hercules lost to Sid, Sid Justice, in that match where he where he put his hands behind his head and he no-sold the powerbomb. Yeah. And that was at Madison Square Garden. I think it was January 21st, 92. I mean, yeah. January 31st, 92. Yeah. So almost six years in a couple months. Yeah. He, he made his Madison Square Garden debut, and then he went out of Madison Square Garden. <laughs> and then he became Super Ninja. <laughs> Blassie is wearing the all-gold outfit tonight. This guy was one of the Mega Powers. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's the third Mega Power due to I Seance. I didn't really hate Hercules' face run. I didn't hate it. I didn't like it, but I didn't hate it. <laughs> yeah, but it really petered out after WrestleMania five, in part because he was feuding with Dino Bravo, which is a non starter. Yeah, that's yeah, that's if you wanna I think the only person that ever got over feuding with Dino Bravo was Hacksaw. And I think Hacksaw was plenty over when, when that whole thing started. <laughs> right. I hated that like Doug Duggan had to work like two rounds with him in like eight the eighty eight section. Yeah, and then there's like, and then there was the 1990 section, you know, for WrestleMania six. Yeah, I, I I think that was probably punishment for the weed thing, <laughs> like like secret long term punishment. You think so? Yeah, I have this weird theory of Duggan Duggan like 
it took like an extended sentence, like but of lesser punishments, like how he was left off WrestleMania Seven, except for wrestling, except for announcing the one match. Yeah, that's true. And you would have thought he would have been on that one because it's you know all USA all the way tough guy. But I mean, he actually he probably should have just been the third commentator. I mean, shit, they did SummerSlam with friggin' Gorilla Bobby and Piper. They could have done friggin' WrestleMania with with Gorilla Bobby and. Uh, <laughs> And Hacksaw. That I, actually... I, I don't know. I, I, for one, would rather have just Gorilla and Bobby than having Hacksaw added to any of that motif. But the real reason why I think he was kept off WrestleMania 7 is they didn't want a uh, super American baby face coming out before Hogan. Yeah. You, I mean, okay. you, you are billing it Stars and Stripes forever, but come on. Not everybody can be Stars and Stripes forever, pal. <laughs> not everybody, pal. Um, Jeez. Hogan again doing a little politicking, you think? Well, come on, Vince, what are you going to do? You're going to have somebody Actually, else. I wouldn't be shocked if that's one of those Vince things where I can't. Like, he. Duggan yeah. did come out as, like, Uncle Sam, and I think he had the flag on the two by four or something like yeah. that. Yeah. But n- nothing, nothing too egregious. It was probably an agreed upon formula. Is, is the best hacksaw thing that he did in WWF that. Survivor Series, I mean, SummerSlam 89, six-man. His best match ever? Like, this, no, well, I would just say his best overall, like, match slash arc or whatever. Like, when he had that tag. I mean, that's that's probably the most fun I think I've ever enjoyed watching Hacksaw Jim Duncan. I, I love the, the Andre angle. Now, that might be biased because it's one of the oh, first yeah. big angles that I yeah, and we enjoyed yeah. that lumberjack match on the uh, best of Volume Seventeen. Yeah, I guess that's true, but that was still when he was kind of being taken seriously. I guess, you know. Why is Hercules going to the top rope? He's he's the, not the glory; he's the power. What's he gonna give? Is it? Oh, tell your that guy looked like a looked like a young Barack Obama in the audience over there. <laughs> Barack Obama attending MSG shows in 85. He's so out of touch. He's such an elitist. <laughs> anyway, back to live action. Cousin Junior uh, gets reversed on an Irish whip, and he oh. fucks up the spot. Oh. And, excuse me, Cousin Luke. God. There's no difference between the two oh. of them. Oh. Oh. And the referee got distracted for God knows what reason, and then he reversed the roll up. That's on a yeah. best of. Tape? That was on a that was uh, that botched finish oh, is on wow. a best of tape. Wow, that's why you know this journey. Maybe maybe if we watch all twenty of them, we can be like, oh yeah, we'll give out awards. So what was the worst match out of all of them? Yeah, it might have been Hercules versus Cousin Luke. But now we go on to wow. different times. Pedro Morales, I don't know if he's the IC champion at this yeah, point. Yeah, it said he, it said he was, yeah. Okay. Yeah, IC and champion. Adrian Adonis. Adrian Adonis from March 14th, 1982 and a at very, Madison Square Garden. A thin, like, Adrian Adonis. Like, oh, yeah. I, I would say Morales is thicker than him. Yeah. You don't you don't see that very often considering that. A stealth Adrian Adonis. Let's not say yeah. he's not. He's like Buddy Rose, 1980s, felt. 
I'm beginning to think that Buddy Rose, your references to Buddy Rose are starting to overtake your Survivor Series 88 references. Yeah. I've kind of Buddy fallen Rose. hard for him, haven't I? You, you really, you, I think you're in love. Yeah. <laughs> kind it's, of always like how so, George, it's always so how, great at the beginning. How George fell in love with the Mimbo, I think you fell in love with Playboy Buddy Rose. <laughs> yeah. Well, he wore a Bruins jersey, think, uh, so I'll always be a fan. I think I know what I'm doing for uh, your birthday next year. Oh, yeah? Sure. Give me that Playboy Buddy Rose LP from Japan. That, or No, it's not from Japan, but it's very hard to get. <laughs> Some band made a, uh, a yeah. Playboy Buddy Rose song. You've talked about it. I think I'm going yeah. to try to get some Buddy Rose memorabilia for you. Some signed autographed Buddy Rose stuff that, can, that you can hang on your wall. Can you do me a favor and only buy it from another guy named Peter? Because then all the stuff would be made out to me already. <laughs> See ya, Peter. Uh-huh. You're the best. Have a great summer. Buddy Rose. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would rather like that, yeah. Dear Pete. Dear Peter, thanks for believing in me. Buddy Rose. <laughs> Dear yeah. Peter. Keep trailing. They always say they always say don't don't uh Don't meet your heroes. Say, they say don't meet your heroes. They'll probably get one of those uh the the letter will probably be like Hey Pete, don't stop believing. And then it signs it with a swastika or something. <laughs> like I don't want to find out that this guy was a Nazi. What if it was like what if it just said Dear Peter, keep trailing for pussy? What? He beat... What? No, it was that stupid double pin spot, like oh, the Hercules, oh, oh, King, okay. the Hercules oh, okay. King Aku match from WrestleMania 5. Oh, okay. Li- the, the guy on top lifts his shoulder. I mean, the other guy has his shoulders down for the entire time. Like, why is why are they not self-realizing on that? And also the fact that the WWF overdid that finish so many times. Yeah. They but did it on back-to-back WrestleManias. But Adrian Adonis thought he just won the Intercontinental Championship. <laughs> well, that wouldn't have been a terrible idea, although no. he was working a lot of tags at that point. Yeah, this is kind of the bad body classic. Although Morales is a little bit more put together. So. And, and yeah, MSG is much darker in that era. Hell, Bill Apter is at ringside taking photos. I mean, that's nice. how long ago it was. PWI is allowed yeah. down there. And, uh, oh, wow. And they're using the, I love it. They're using the championship as, like, weapon. Yeah, and Adonis, like, flew about five feet through the air. Yeah. When he got hit with the belt. So, yes, Pedro Morales, your winner in that one. Now we're even going to go back further than 1982. The next match. Is, uh, sweet boy Adrian Adonis. It, uh, yeah, there's there's the, there's the finish, suplex. which is a badly executed belly to back suplex. Yeah, German so suplex. all Japan, they're not. He's not ready. <laughs> well, that's really usually more the back straight up back suplex. <laughs> As we now go to our next match, we're oh, going even Jesus back. Christ! Look Pat, at this. Pat, Pat Patterson versus Lou Albano. Look at this. Fat January twenty first, nineteen eighty. Hey, isn't that Dick Worley? Oh, I, I put it back for a second because I think the graphics said 1982, and it is not 1982. It's January 21st, 1980. That's the date I found for it in multiple places. Of course, they probably just all copied the original source. 
It says 1982, but this is not 1982. It's 1980. I can tell by Patterson's hair. That's a riot that Pat Patterson's being built from San Francisco. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> nobody, ever asked, nobody ever asked the question, why does this guy with the French-Canadian accent hail from San Francisco? Captain Lou from Carmel, New York. I, I never, I never realized that. I don't know why that didn't register, since I seem to know all the cities and towns, the greater New York metropolitan area. So, do you have any background on this match as to why this happened? Yes. I mean, I'm assuming Lou is a manager full time at this point, right? Yes. And what and, happened? By the way, he's wearing the Japanese uh, trunks. Yeah, he's wearing Pat, the food. Pat trunks. Patterson was the Intercontinental Champion in 1979. Yeah. And he was managed by the Grand Wizard. The Grand yeah. Wizard decided to get out of the Pat Patterson business and sold his contract to Captain Lou Albano. Patterson revolted at this development because. And by the way, I'm not reading this. I know it sounds like I'm reading it, but no, this is the actual story. Uh, Patterson thought Albano was too much of a slob and did not want to be represented by him. So Patterson ends up turning babyface. They attacked Patterson on TV, and this is one of the ways they would do a blow-off, is some guy gets in the ring with Albano, and Albano uh, blades openly for two minutes. That's that's how it would go. Wait a minute, who who attacked him? Just Albano and like oh oh one of Albano's guys. And instead of having him fight a char- one of Albano's charges, he just fought Albano for a minute. Well, yeah, that's much easier because his problem was he didn't want to be managed by Lou Albano. No, no, I know. That- I'm just saying like that's just pretty impressive. Jeez, he's really hitting him with whatever the hell it is that that stick or something. Well, Captain Lou could be obnoxious sometimes. So these are probably nice uh, little uh, get-your-receipt opportunities. He's also bleeding from the forehead, as is the style at the time. Sometimes. And oftentimes, they would do the walkout finish, which, you know, the uh, Money, Inc. Memorial walkout finish. Which brings us to our final match, and probably the best one from a marquee perspective, Jake the Snake Roberts versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat from... May 19th, 1986 at MSG. This isn't a Saturday night's main event, right? No, it is not. This would have been just after that aired. Steamboat's wearing the headband, but not like a bandage on his head or anything for the DDT on the floor. This is after that DDT spot? Yes. I'm pretty sure it would be, considering that I think that was early May. Yeah. Although my retention of Saturday night's main event results is not what it once was. Mm. It's not not really where I want it to be. They actually consolidated it to one page on Wikipedia rather than having to go to a bunch of different ones. It, did, it, yeah. aired, it aired May 3rd, 1986. And Jake is really new, like two months in at this point. I like when um I loved when Jake fought Savage for the for the IC belt on that Saturday night's main event. A very a rare heel heel. But yeah, I should great. cover that. I should cover that Saturday night's main event at some point soon, shouldn't I? Yeah, that's a great that's a great match. This steamboat gonna get the crap kicked out of him for a little while here, I think. <laughs> yeah, November twenty ninth, eighty six, yep. This is the second uh, best of where we've seen Ricky Steamboat in the final match, I believe, right? 
Yeah. The final match, the last one, it was him and Tito. Him and Tito versus uh, Valentine and Beefcake, the not yet dream team. So Jake, Jake, Jake was never like one for like dynamic, flippy offense or anything. He didn't have to. Yeah. But he told the story probably better than anybody else in the ring. That is aside true. From, aside from Savage, I think Savage, Savage told us better story in the ring. And also Savage, you know, to, to the thing about Saturday Night's Main Event, greatest Saturday Night's Main Event worker of all time. Yeah, absolutely. Because he would always maximize the allotted seven minutes or whatever it would be. Yeah. But so it's like, well, you know, you look at a match, oh, it only got nine minutes. Well, it's nine minutes on TV. A nine-minute yeah, like, match on TV is like a 16-minute house show match. If, you just got to pace it differently. If, I guess, I, I don't know, I guess they still say Shawn Michaels is Mr. WrestleMania. I don't know. But if Shawn Michaels is Mr. WrestleMania and Bret Hart is Mr. The SummerSlam, then yes. Macho Man is definitely the Mr. Saturday Night. <laughs> so he's not Mr. Survivor Series? Um, Savage, he could be. He could be both. Why not? He was a survivor in 87, 88, and 89, and didn't get to wrestle at the next two. But he was on 90, and he... Yeah, he did that. Didn't he do that weird... No, wait. He did the interview in 90. He did an interview in 90. Yeah. He... I don't know if he's at all on 91 at, at all cuz I know Jake does an interview in 91. No, he d- he comes out and he does he also does an interview. He I does in 91 with his arm wrapped, I think. Okay. 92 he survives, he wins in 92. Yeah. He does he I think he does he survive in 93? No, I don't think he does in 93. That's the one at the garden where he's like No, he he, he chases Crush out to the back. Yeah. And he's gone by '94, so yeah. yeah well, so he could be Mr. Survivor Series. Yeah. Why not both? I suppose. I, although I was going to say Hogan, but then Hogan lost at that first one. The Steamboat's now picking up a little traction. Front. Hogan lost. Hogan lost the '91 too. Yeah. And he's not in '92. He's not in '93, and he's gone after that. So yeah. Hogan sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, you have it out for him for so many different reasons. <laughs> so many reasons. You're like, oh, I'm not going to wait four hours in line at um, no. the Gold Gym. In sir, some of why... Come on. Sir, why do you hate Hulk Hogan so much? Uh, yeah. Well, he sucks. But why? <sighs> There's so many reasons. <laughs> and then you just walk away, exasperated, <laughs> throwing your hands up. <laughs> Like, oh, I don't know why I bother. <laughs> I do a mic drop and I just walk away. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I, I don't know why I bother. Sorry, my attention was diverted because uh, Paulie is having a heart to heart with uh, Henry about uh, not getting into drugs. Is this is this when he asks? Wait, is this when they're in the backyard? Yes. And he's like, that that guy, that guy, he, he all he said was say hello to him, and now he's serving time. <laughs> Is that Hogan in the front row? Look at this guy in the jeans with the boots. <laughs> I, think that's like a, I think that's a fake Dan Spivey wearing a Hulkamania shirt. <laughs> <laughs> kind of had Ricky Morton hair, too. I don't know. Steamboat to the top. 
the chop. So now I gotta turn my back on you. <laughs> it's thirty-two hundred bucks. He doesn't That's turn his true. back on him right then because he That's thought that he was gonna listen to. Him. Now wait. Next next upcoming is the. Uh, hey, remember that guy? That thing upstate? We gotta get it out of there. We gotta get it out of there. Paulie was just asking me about that. We gotta get it out of there. We gotta get it out of there. <laughs> Here's a wing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, here we go. What is what is this referee doing? What is he doing? Referee is pull actively pulling Steamboat off, and please notice not Danny Davis. As we like, really is, haven't started that heel ref thing yet. Is the match over or something? Like why is he? No, why no, is, no. The match is still going on. I don't know why the referee decided to get physically involved. The referee's trying to go into business for himself. What's he doing? What's he, Earl Hebba? Well, see, the benefit he has is that I don't know his name. Yeah. So it means I can't yell at him and, and, and pick on him the way I might want to. Because Jake's got him uh, trapped in the corner. Yeah. Guy does have a ball, distinct bald spot on the back of his head. Yeah, like this guy is like all over the, this. You know what? This is what sucks about this. Good. Oh, he took. He now took we knew a that bump. was coming. A ref bump. Oh, no. Kind of an odd. Th- That's a disqual. Yeah, this referee was just is this referee is just going into business for himself. He's just being a dick. Like, what yeah, is he this- doing? He's trying to keep Steamboat from uh, beating the hell out of because he's he's doing the ground and pound punches, but he can't pull Steamboat off. So this is kind of the joy, kind of joyous moment you don't see today, where like Babyface beat, beats the hell out of a heel in a comeuppance. It's the Hart, Bret Hart, and uh, a couple of other guys too. Is Jake yeah. bleeding? I don't know. A couple of other guys came out. Bret Hart and uh, looks like. Is that Terry Gibbs again? No, I don't Who cares? We're going to the closing credits now with the sometimes forgotten closing credit music for Coliseum Video. Maybe it doesn't have the same oomph as the uh, as Craig, Craig Leathers again. But I shared sound with you. Can you hear that? That's yes. Some, that's good music. I mean, it's anytime you don't know what a song is like that, <laughs> It's almost always it's the still was Lanny Poffo about trying to do the head scissors on Head scissors. Really a funny visual. <laughs> yeah. Oh, special thanks to Vince McMahon. Thanks, Vince. Research Howard Finkel Titan Sports. Jim Neidhart with a big smile. Copyright 1986 Titan Sports. F Art Enterprises. Whatever yeah. that is. So now, now, all right, so now we just uh, got the preview stuff. I mean, we don't even really have to comment on this. Three new exciting releases. So it looks like a big, is this a big six-man or a big eight-man tag? Yeah, Heenan and Andre and Stud versus JYD, Snuka, and Andre, which must have been from, might have been May of 85. May have been that show that we, uh, no, yeah, it would have to have been May of 85 because, Patera is still there on the other side, and if Snooker is still there, I mean they—you almost think they should have switched places. Where Snooker goes to jail in Patera's stead, and Patera <laughs> wanders the world in the AWA for a while. That's how they—that's how they should have done it. And now the British Bulldogs tape. Are they facing the 
They facing the that, dream team or is this that two looks, that, look, that looks like the dream team from yeah. It is. Yep. It, definitely Toronto because of that. And they hit their alternate finish, which is the dynamite hit headbutt, but from off the car- fireman's carry yeah. Yeah. back of his opponent. Oh. Now Davy Boy is doing the he did a Death Valley driver onto Valentine with Dynamite scaling the turnbuckles. And you're going to do a missile drop kick that did not look good. But he did Ooh, kip up immediately. Kip up. Wow. Good and he didn't up. do anything obnoxious like Shawn Michaels would have. Is this, who's this in the cage? This looks like it's. That Snuka. is Snooker in Morocco. Yeah, Snooker in Morocco. The famous, famous match with Snooker going off yeah. the cage. The match is over, by the way. The Mick Foley moment right here. Yes. This is that. Yeah, this is that's. October of 83 at Madison Square Garden. Definitely one of those shows you can kind of mark as like the end of an era because, yeah, I know that Backlund loses the title two months later, but, you know, this is probably the last huge moment of the sort of Backlund era. Yeah. Him losing the title. Bruno and Ivan pull off 75. Now, Bruno's hair, you can mark time with that any day of the week. Yeah, that's definitely the seventies, Bruno. Because <laughs> he'd have like he'd have like the weird wig perm in nineteen eighty. Yeah. Um, let me see. Is this is this a title change? I can't remember. Did he win it back from? Oh Ivan no, Koloff? this is no. This is um, Koloff won in seventy one, and Morales yeah. won a couple of days later. Yeah, and then. Morales lost it to Stasiak. Stasiak, and then Bruno won it back. Philadelphia, I think it yeah. was. Yeah. And then Bruno won it back like nine days nine days later. So yeah, they yeah. they didn't use, you know, use those guys for, for any length of time. Like I was talking about superstar Billy Graham's title reign. He, he, got, he got 10 months, and he should be grateful for that. He got more time as a heel champion than anybody in like a 40-year yeah. period. Yeah. No, he really did. He did. I mean, seriously. Um, Jesus, who would have been the next lengthy heel champion that would have had the title? Probably Yoko Zuna. Yeah, seriously. Can you? Wow. Can you imagine? She's about nine months from King of the Ring 93 to WrestleMania 10. Yeah. You ever look at the SummerSlam 93 poster? All the time. You do not have that piece of memorabilia in your house. And that I would have thought that that was funny because it's the one where he's like doing the bonsai splash on the American flag, and like the little tag at the bottom was something has to, someone has to stop him. Stop. And it just feels like a bad like B movie poster, and I lo- I love it so much. Um, what makes you think that I don't have like? Somewhere in my house that you haven't seen yet. That's the only thing that sucks is you saw my house. I gave you the dime tour. But, like, wouldn't it be awesome if there was, like, a room I had that you walked in and I had all these posters from, like, old WWF pay-per-views? Somebody has to stop him. <laughs> As he's buns eye-dropping on a flag that is, you know, two inches underneath his ass. I did have – I did have – I think I had a poster of the 91 – which was the match made in heaven, match made in hell, I think. Which, you know. <laughs> yeah. just, just to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if if I could have a poster from... Uh, I'm, 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 
I'm just thinking, like, if if you could have a poster from any wrestling event that you ever went to, like, and I guess for a lot of people it would be a pay-per-view, but, you know, whatever, if you're promoting in town and there's, like, signs or something. Yeah. Like, like you'd see for concerts. Like, what show, what show would you want? I mean, for me, I think uh, WrestleMania 14 seems like the obvious one. Yeah. But I, but for some reason... I'd love to see what an ECW Heatwave 98 poster would look like. Because oh, you'd probably get Hakushi on there. Or Jinzei Sinjaki, as he was known. Heatwave 98? Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's, no, there's no poster I can see. Uh, hold on, let me look we're, this up. We're at, we're at the part now where um, <laughs> Jimmy is yelling at Johnny Roast Beef, a.k.a. the guy who looks like you. Uh, to, for, for spending too much money. <laughs> it's in my mother's name. It's a wedding gift. <laughs> he kind of had like here's here's the thing though. You'd have to grow out your hair like very specifically, pro- and it would probably be like a fourteen month process. We'd have to water it like a chia pet. It, it would be it would be a lot of work. But I think my, we can get there. It's in my mother's name. <laughs> oh. Heatwave 98 poster has fucking Sandman on it. Yeah, you can have that poster. Oh, oh I forgot. Yeah, you're, you're, you're just utter hatred of Sandman. Wow. Sandman. Well. It's, my, it's my mother's name. <laughs> I can't That's... believe this. One guy buys a Cadillac, the other guy buys a $1,000 mink coat. <laughs> fuck is going on here? <laughs> sorry, Jimmy. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. All the women, all the women there, they've kind of made a deal for themselves. And now, like the lady comes in with the fur coat, is like, "Hey, put the stop to it before she even gets in the door." I want my money. Uh, everybody this, else this, is getting that. People walking around and everybody, where's my money? This, this, this movie, this movie's so great, and I probably should devote my time to actually watching that. Although I have enjoyed watching Best of the WWF Volume Eight with you here today, and j- just so you know. I, I think next time we're going to go all the way to the end. I'm going to spring volume 20 on you for the next. Oh one. boy. Here we go. <laughs> well, I mean, you think how long does it take to get from volume eight to volume 20? It's like, well, not that long. It's like, I think 1989. So hmm. yeah. And since I'm doing a 1989 show this week, WWF superstars from April 22nd, uh, should be interesting. Sounds yeah. like fun to me. So we're going to do volume, best of volume 20? 20. Am I allowed to look at what's on the card before? Oh, I, 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 yeah, I will, I, will, I, will send, I will send it to you, what, what's going to be on that card. In fact, I haven't scoped it out myself. I just said, you know what, it's the last one, and we should, we should do that one. Actually, so. I, just, I just looked it up. Oh, my God. <gasps> I don't think I can watch this. Why? And you know why. Have you looked at the card, or do you not know who's on the card? I, I honestly do not remember. I looked. Oh my yes. god, this actually this is great. All right, so first of all, <laughs> you changed your tune in a hurry. Well, I changed my tune because of the finale. Okay. It's got the it's got the match where Haku loses to Hacksaw. Oh, I don't think I can watch this. <laughs> Otherwise, you have no legal authorization to still call him king. Well, maybe. <laughs> Maybe what we'll do is I'll I'll I'll, I'll turn off the share screen as that's happening. <laughs> you don't have oh, to. Watch. You know what though? It's cool because it has the coronation ceremony the next week. <laughs> haven't you not done the? Haven't you have? Haven't you done all the heel coronation ceremonies but not the face one? 
Well, I haven't done Harley Race. I'm saving that one for a rainy day. But, uh, yeah, we got the Duggan coronation, apparently. All right. So we got – it says, yes, all the faces, Sans the Hulkster are there. <laughs> oh. Um, you got actually this isn't this isn't terrible. It starts off terrible. It's Rooster and Brawler. Okay. But then it's Beefcake Baba against Bad News. So you get a Bad News Brown at the Garden. So this is good. Mm. You got the King Haku match against Hacksaw. Then you have the coronation ceremony. Then you have a 16 man battle royal from May 1st, 1989 at the Cops Coliseum in Hamilton. Um Car Foundation versus Rujo's with a special referee of Brother Love. Oh yeah, and then yeah, they, did, they did those matches. And then Hogan defending his title against Rick Rude. Yes, so, that is the and that match has a rather it. yes, Boston Garden, January yeah. of '88. It has a rather infamous moment in there that, uh, well, it's that a very chair shot. If if yeah if you ever if you ever wondered why Hulk Hogan didn't want to work with Rick Rude that moment in that match will give you a good reason why. All right, I'm on board with this. This oh, looks okay. like fun, even though it's going to hurt me. And yes, I and I, I, wait, just because I've never officially seen Haku lose to Jim Duggan does not mean that it's going to mean that I can no longer call him King Haku. He is my one true king. Okay. Well, we will we will hash that out between now and then. I will check in with the proper legal authorities. I do want to thank you, Keithy, for joining me, and also ask that for greetings from Allentown or GFA Live, please leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts, Apple Music, whatever, and wherever fine podcast reviews are accepted. It provides us another social proof that you're listening to and enjoying this podcast and tune in next time for another exciting episode of GFA Live. What do I know about medical coding?